Hello, FT Podcast listeners. Just a word of warning. This podcast discusses the final episode of Serial. If you don't want to know what is revealed in that episode, we'd encourage you to save this podcast and listen later. The FT. Welcome to this Financial Times podcast about a podcast. The uselessness of what we're trying to do by recreating something that doesn't fit. It's like trying to plot the coordinates of someone's dream. Serial, created by producers of public radio programme This American Life, has aired the 12th and final episode of its first season. In Serial, journalist Sarah Koenig has investigated the conviction of Adnan Syed for the 1999 murder of Haymin Lee. It has been, as has been widely reported, the most successful podcast ever, downloaded now over 30 million times. But it has also raised a lot of questions about the ethics of the series, the way it's been discussed on social media, and what it says about the future of podcasting. I'm Sarah Gordon, the FT's business editor, and here to discuss some of those questions with me are three of my colleagues, Helen Worrell, our public policy correspondent who covers crime and justice, Sarah O'Connor, our employment correspondent, and on the line from New York is Shannon Bond, our US media and marketing correspondent. We've all just finished listening to the last episode together, and I'd now like to get your reaction to it. Were you satisfied? Did it leave too many unanswered questions? Shannon, you first. I, I think in the end I am satisfied in terms of it fit the whole narrative of the show, which is we really can't know. I, I wish I knew more, but I totally appreciate everything that they did and enjoyed the journey. Sarah? I think that when they set out, they didn't think that it was going to end this way. It was quite clear that they really thought that they would know, and and so did we to start off with. So part of me does feel disappointed. But I think that given everything that they do now know, she could have given it a punchier ending. I don't think she needed to end by saying, I still don't know anything, we mm. don't have any facts. She could have ended by saying, I know enough to to believe that this conviction is unsound. Mm. Didn't she say that? She sort of did, but then she sort of weaseled out again. Mm. Helen? Well, I think this has, despite what everyone was concerned about, become a podcast about the nature of truth. And while I absolutely respect the industry of this investigation, I, I don't think that can be questioned, I really wonder what they have achieved in terms of investigating a cold case for crime and whether that has really been successful or not and whether the, the listeners will think that's been successful or not. Mm. I think I'm rising up in a collective wail. <laughs> this is what um, Mike Pesco, who interviewed Sarah Koenig right at the beginning of the series, said that he felt at the end of the series the internet would rise up in a collective wail. And I feel disappointed. I want Adnan to be innocent and I wanted the proof and I wasn't given it. That said, some of the big issues that it's raised um, have not been answered either, have they? Most importantly, the sort of ethical dimensions of the podcast. As everyone knows, Heyman Lee's family has understandably refused to take part in the podcast. And in last week's episode, Sarah Koenig read extracts from a letter Adnan Syed had written to her, in which he says even he wishes the podcast was over. I want to ask you, was it wrong for Sarah to make the podcast? And given that there's still so much we don't know, why was it so successful? Helen? Well, I mean, I think definitely we can't say that it was wrong for Sarah to make this podcast because 
you you have to follow an investigation irrespective of what you find. I think one of the fascinating things about this is that if you went to an editor and said, I want to investigate this crime, I don't have the blessing or the input of the family of the victim, I don't have any police sources who are giving me any information, I don't have any input from people who were on the prosecution or who are actually involved in the defence, would you go ahead and be, you know, given the brief to pursue this? Well, we know what our editors would say, don't we? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I think... One of the fascinating things about this is that as a storytelling exercise, as a narrative exercise, it's been phenomenally successful because we are all absolutely gripped by it. But I do wonder what it's actually achieved as an investigation and as a piece of journalism. I mean, is this closer to a sort of Charles Dickens serialised story that's been really wonderfully wrought with brilliant characters um is it closer to that than to something journalistic Mm. you see i think our editor lionel barber would say she didn't nail it don't you think yeah i think that's definitely something that they have left themselves open to in having such a sort of open-ended end to this and at one point i think in in the final episode sarah says all speculation is equally speculative um which is not necessarily, I think, what you'd find in a traditional crime story. No. Maybe we're not giving listeners enough credit here. I mean, yeah, it didn't have a satisfying ending and she didn't figure out who did it, but actually the storytelling has been phenomenal and we've been left with, you know, the ambiguities of of real life and maybe actually people will appreciate that and appreciate the fact that she... I mean, she did set it out in a kind of wonderfully honest open way and I think part of the reason it's been successful is that she is herself quite a kind of compelling likeable person and it's very serious journalism isn't it I mean as many people have said all the way through this and I think we saw this in this last episode with the really quite boring detail about the AT&T contract and the details on it but um Shannon can I ask you because I know you've been looking at a lot of the social media coverage of this and the way this story has kind of exploded across social media on blogs or reddit um I mean some of those discussions have not respected the uh very serious journalistic boundaries that Sarah Koenig herself and her producers placed around the story I mean what do you think it means for us as journalists and should we be worried about the way that the story sort of exploded beyond its boundaries onto social media I mean are we responsible for the way our stories are handled on social media I think it's really hard to put that onus on the journalist in this day and age when we really have lost control in a lot of ways of you know you can put you can report the facts that you're comfortable reporting. I mean, Sarah even makes the point in this last episode that you know, they do plenty of speculation in the office, but they're not going to put it on the air because that's, you know, they have a standard for, for what they're actually going to put in the podcast. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that anybody on a Reddit thread or on Twitter or on Facebook, you know, has to follow those same boundaries. And I'm not sure that it's, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure that the journalists can be, really be responsible for that. Now, of course, you know, they've opened up this box in a way. They've brought national and international attention to this case. And I think one of the hard things is, ultimately, it's hard for, uh, at, at this point, 15 years later, and also hard for, as we said, somebody who doesn't have police sources, doesn't have sources in the prosecution, to really produce new, like, new concrete evidence. And 
I think that's been dissatisfying to a lot of people, which is why you've seen you know, these threads spring up where people are actually trying to go out and find new facts. You know, so in some ways, I, f- I feel like the, in the podcast they were caught in a little bit of a bind where they're trying to, you know, they're trying to reinterpret the, what we already know, you know, reexamine what we already know, but with a limited capacity to really find out concrete new information. Mm. I suppose I feel, as a journalist, it has made me think even more carefully about how responsibly we must approach the story, because, as you say, it can immediately we can immediately lose control of it. You know, so yeah. we, you have to be even more careful about the subject matter that you put out there, I suppose. I mean, one of the big measures of success of Serial has been that it has, through a mixture of sponsorship and crowdfunding from listeners, raised enough money for a second series. And, I mean, one of the things I wanted to ask all of you is, given that we're now at the end of the first series, do we actually want a second series? If we want a second series, what do we want it to be about, Sarah? I want a second series. I could listen to Sarah Koenig all day long. I don't mind what she talks about. <laughs> I kind of hope that she doesn't do another crime story, though. And I think probably after this experience, she might not, not want to do one either. Helen? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would like a second series. As Sarah suggested, it might be good to go into a completely different area. And one thing that might be good in the future, I think, is to use the format of this podcast, the fact that unlike other stories, which you sew up, there's a beginning and an end, you read it all in one go in a magazine, there is this episodic element that means people can get in touch with you during the process of the investigation. And actually, I think that's something that added a kind of extra dimension to the first series and something potentially that could work um, well in future now that they, they know that this is what's likely to happen. Shannon, what do you think? I agree with Helen on that last point. I mean, I think that, that there could be a really interesting opportunity in some ways to take a bit of control back. So you open it up, you have this sort of crowdsourcing, you have people you know, who are more aware of this, and then you know, the, the, the editors, the producers can use some of their discretion about what to bring back in. And, and to see these things unfold in real time, I think, is a really interesting use of you know, the way communications has evolved now, the way, the way our stories sort of are living and breathing. They aren't just out there and we're done with. So, like, Sarah, I definitely listen to almost anything that Sarah Koenig would do. I think she's a great storyteller. I think there's even more experimentation in the form to be done. Mm. Yeah, I think we've all had that experience as journalists where you work really hard on an investigative story. You finally get as many facts as you can. You publish it. It's over and done with. And then people read it and contact you and they have amazing information. They would have been phenomenal sources, but it's almost too late to use them. So I think this this form of storytelling could be a great journalistic tool. So we may not have been fully satisfied with the outcome, but it showed us a new way of storytelling. I think that's a good way to end. Uh, Shannon, Helen, Sarah, thank you very much. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. 
Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.